Welcome to the Life Together podcast. Life Together is a Wednesday gathering for worship, Bible study, and community at Discover Church in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. We hope that this week's message will encourage you and challenge you. Our mission here at Discover Church is to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Can I tell you a crazy story? In in September of 1983, there was an art dealer by the name of Gianfranco Bacini, which is like the perfect name for an art dealer. So Gianfranco Bacini was traveling to L.A., and he wanted to sell this statue at the Getty Museum in L.A. The Getty Museum in Los Angeles is this huge, very prestigious art museum with deep pockets, and so he thought this was the location where he could sell this statue. And the ticket price for this statue was $10 million. I uh, did the calculations on this this afternoon. If you had $10 million, you could either buy this statue or you could buy 40 homes in my neighborhood. And I thought of how stressful it was for me to buy the one home that I own, well, me and the bank to buy the one home that I own. (laughs) And I thought, Well, I can imagine that if you were someone about to make a $10 million purchase, you would want to be, like, really certain that you were making a wise purchase. And that's exactly what the Getty Museum did. So they took this statue on loan for 14 months, and they didn't take it to display it. They took it to test it and to make sure that that this statue was exactly what it claimed to be. It claimed to be an authentic uh, Greek statue from 500 years before Jesus was born. So they bring in this giant team of geologists and historians and scientists to make sure this statue is real. They actually did like a a biopsy on the statue and cut out a little piece of it to test the rock. So they do this and they find out that it is the special kind of limestone that can only be found in certain islands around Greece. So they're thinking, "This, this this looks good. The statue was covered in calcite, which can only grow on something over hundreds of years. So the dating looked good. It came with all this paperwork that was tracing its ownership all the way back 100 years. They get all of this data together for 14 months, and they decide this statue is real. And they go through with the sale, and they purchase it for $10 million. One week before the statue goes on display there is an art expert by the name of Evelyn Harrison. And she is in town in L.A. She has friends at the Getty Museum. And so she says, hey, can I stop by and see your new statue? Of course, of course she can. So she's friends with the curator. The curator is walking her through the art museum down into the basement, down the steps, because they hadn't displayed it yet. It was still in storage. So they're going down the steps as the curator is talking about how excited they are about this new statue, about how expensive it is, how authentic and amazing it is. They walk down into the basement, and the statue is covered with a piece of cloth that it had been sitting there in storage. And so the curator takes the cloth, pulls it off the statue, and the first words out of Evelyn's mouth is, I'm so sorry, because in an instant she knew that it was fake. So as the months went by, they learned more things that they didn't know. They learned that the calcite on the stone could be faked, and it was faked. They learned that some of the paper documents they had, there was a, a, a letter that was supposed to be from 1920, but it had a stamp on it that didn't exist until 1950. 
So their best guess to this date is that that statue was made as a forgery somewhere in the 1980s. And they all missed it, except for one woman who walked in there and in a moment knew that it was fake. I want to tell you tonight that in this world, you are going to run into some fakes. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2 as we start tonight. This is verse 1 and 2 of 2 Peter chapter 2. The Bible says, But there were, there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. Let's pray as we get started in God's word tonight. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your spirit. We pray that in the time that we spend together in the next 25 minutes, that you would allow your spirit to be moving amongst our tables and chairs, speaking to us. It's not going to be by my words. It's going to be by your words that our hearts are shaped tonight. We believe that your word can transform us and that we can leave this room different. We can leave this room looking more like your son. Reprove us, encourage us, challenge us tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So today is week three in a four-week series. We are walking through the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter is his final love letter to the churches of Asia Minor. Peter is in prison in Ephesus. Peter knows that his death is coming soon. The end of his life is coming soon. But he wants to make sure that these churches live on. The tone of the second chapter of 2 Peter is very intense. It's aggressive. I called this a love letter. And how many know that sometimes when you're talking to people that you love, it can get a little intense, right? And that's what's happening here. If, uh, for example, if my daughter came home from school and she said that there was a boy at school that called her stupid, well, I'm not filing a police report. I'm not showing up at that, that boy's house. I'm going to talk to my daughter. I'm going to make sure that she's okay. I'm going to encourage her. I'm going to strengthen her but I'm not going after that boy. Now, if my daughter comes home and she says that one of her brothers said that she was stupid, I'm coming for him. <laughs> because, because I love those boys. I love those boys. I love my sons. And I will not allow myself to sit by as hate or jealousy or pride sneak into their lives. So consequences are coming, and we will have difficult conversations because I love them. Peter says, I love you so much that there's some uncomfortable things that we need to talk about. Peter is upset because these churches, the church of Jesus Christ, as it's waiting on Jesus Christ to return, false teachers are leading people astray. They have, in their church communities, discovered some fakes. Two weeks ago, we asked the question, how do we grow while we wait? Last week, we asked the question, how do we trust while we wait? And tonight, we're going to ask the question, how do we endure while we wait? Jesus tells a parable of 10 women that are waiting for a bridegroom. And five of those women have full lamps, and they are fully equipped to endure the wait that is in front of them. And five women are not equipped. Did they have the desire to wait? They did. All ten women had the desire to wait for the bridegroom. 
but only five of them were equipped with the tools that were necessary in order to endure. I believe that God wants to equip you with the tools that are necessary to endure. Peter says, this is going to be a long wait, and I need to make sure that you are equipped to endure. Tonight, I want to share with you two items that I think every one of us needs in order to endure. I think tonight's going to be a little bit about getting a fresh dose, an extra dose of these two items today as we strengthen our ability to endure in the things that we are waiting for. And the first item I want to share with you is discernment. Do you know why um, conspiracy theories are, are so popular? They're so popular because no one who believes in conspiracy theories believes that they believe in conspiracy theories, right? For, for them, it's just a theory. And it is so tricky because lies can be so deceiving. Uh, Irish author Jonathan Swift once said, a lie can make it all around the world while truth is still lacing up its shoes. Fakes can be very deceiving, and if you're going to endure, you will need discernment. Peter gives us four warning signs to equip us with discernment in these first three verses of Second Peter chapter 2. In verse 1, Peter says, false teachers are always present. They were present then, and they will be present now. There's a haunting passage in Isaiah chapter 30 where evilness has taken over in such a complete way that the people of Israel are crying out for false teachers. They are asking for fakes. In Isaiah 30, 10, the Bible says, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. What a dark place to be in. Peter says, this has always been a problem. It was a problem in the Old Testament. It's a problem now, and it will always be a problem. False teachers are going to come in, and they will be part. So the question shouldn't be, will you encounter false teaching? The question should be, how will you respond when you encounter false teaching? In verse 2, Peter says, false teachers will broaden the path. So false teachers will take the narrow gate and they will widen it. This is one of the warning signs that Peter gives us. So when you see someone taking the narrow road towards Christ and widening the gate, that should be a warning sign for you. Do you remember um, Mary Poppins' advice for medicine? Right? It was a, a spoonful of sugar. Yeah, so that reference means absolutely nothing to my children because my children have never tasted bad-tasting medicine. It doesn't exist anymore. Everything in the children's aisle at the pharmacy all tastes like melted-down Jolly Ranchers. Like, it's all, it's all candy. And I get it because it's sweeter, and repentance is tough to swallow. Humility is tough to swallow. Surrender is not easy to swallow. But false teachers sweeten the deal. They widen the path. Here's a few things that sound really great. If you have enough faith, you'll never be poor. Sounds good. I mean, it, it would be nice. Here's another one. If you have enough faith, you'll never get sick. Sounds good. The problem with those two statements is they are directly contrary to things that Jesus said while he walked the face of this earth. And yet false teachers will sneak in and they will make the gate wider. And they will say, ah, you don't need to give up that much to follow Christ. It doesn't need to be that difficult. 
We, we can make this easier on you. We can sweeten the deal. In verse 2, Peter says, false teachers distort the truth. He says, the way of truth will be slandered. It will be twisted. And it's very interesting that he doesn't say he will distort lies. It says he will distort truth. So the, the words that they are speaking, the things that you need to develop discernment for, are not things that are going to be 100% lies, but they are things that are not 100% true. It might be something that started as truth and now has been distorted. There was a terrible story that came out of Texas this last year that was based out of a college ministry group on a couple different college campuses in Texas, and it started with truth. It started with a man who was a good friend and a mentor, someone who was an influencer for hundreds of young adults, and it started with truth. It ended with a dozen cases of sexual abuse inside the church, manipulation and, and trouble, and somewhere along the way, truth was distorted. It was twisted, and you could sit there from a distance, and you could say, how, how do you get there? How, how do you not discern that? How do you not stop that before it gets so far? And the answer is here is that it wasn't 100% a lie, but it wasn't 100% true. It was truth that had been slandered. False teachers distort truth. In verse 3, Peter says, false teachers are coming for your money. So as of 2018, there is a TV evangelist by the name of Kenneth Copeland, and as of 2018, he owned three private jets. The most recent purchase was $54 million. And when he was asked in an interview of why do you need these private jets, his answer was, and I'm quoting him here, you can't talk to God while flying commercial. So I disagree. I have flown Spirit Airlines on several occasions, and I have never prayed harder. There are so many great causes in the family of Christ. Mandy and Pastor Steve got up here and shared with you an opportunity for you to give generously here tonight, right? So, like, there are so many great causes. But Peter says, as a rule of thumb, go ahead and use that as a moment for you to raise your discernment. That when someone starts asking for your money, let your alarm go up and say, I should check this out. I should be careful because there are good causes, but there are also bad causes, and I need to be on alarm as I raise my level of discernment. I think God wants to give every one of us tonight an extra dosage of discernment. That is the gift of his Holy Spirit. There are things that you may not be able to know in your flesh that God can teach you how to know in your spirit, and that when false teachers come into your life, into your family, into this church, into your workplace— that you would have a supernatural ability to discern the things that are happening. Uh, there's two main outcomes with the effects of evil on the church of Jesus Christ. The first is that evil will entrap you. This is when Christ's followers get lured away by false teaching and temptation. This is why we need to be equipped with discernment so that evil does not entrap you. But there is a second option here. The second outcome is that evil will exhaust you. This is for the Christian who is living righteously, who is living with discernment, but just becomes overwhelmed by the prevalence of evil in this world. It's so much. The false teachers, the immorality, the school shootings, the drug, drug epidemic, it can be so discouraging at times 
to wait through this. And if evil can't entrap you, the second place prize is for evil to exhaust you. So if I can't cause you to lose your endurance by entrapping you, then I'm just going to wear you out. And if I can discourage Christians by the evilness in this world and the evilness that would even come into our circles and our families and our churches, if I can just discourage you enough, you will quit. Can we let Peter tell us about how bad it is in this world? So in verse 13 and 14, Peter says this, Their destruction is their reward for the harm they've done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin, and they are well-trained in greed. They live under God's curse. Wow. That is rough. It would be easy to be overwhelmed by this. And if your spirit is crushed by the weight of evil in this world, you will not endure. The second item you're going to need to endure tonight is patience. In verse 4 through 8, Peter gives a shout out to three Old Testament events. And he uses them as a way to provide testimony for why, we are, why it is a worthy choice to have patience while you endure the first uh, event that he lists is the fall of the angels. So when Satan rebels against God at the beginning of the world, Satan and his angels are cast out of heaven. There's actually a song that we sing here on Sunday mornings, and it has the line, um, I saw Satan fall like lightning. So th those lyrics are actually a direct quote from Luke chapter 10. Jesus is the one that says those. The reason Jesus says those words is because Jesus was there when it happened. Jesus was there at the beginning of time when before the world was formed, Satan was in rebellion against God and he fell, that he was cast out of heaven. There's a, a pastor who says that fall isn't really the right word to say that Satan fell because he was pushed. Right, so, so Satan was, was pushed out, and Peter says, look, there's a pattern, and I want to see if you, if you can find the pattern, that when Satan fell, there was evilness, and then God punished the wicked. So the second event that he lists is the flood. So God rescues the righteous, and then God punishes the wicked. The third event is Sodom and Gomorrah. So what does he do? He rescues the righteous, and he punishes the wicked. Let's read Peter's conclusion in verse 9. He says, So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. I love that. I'm encouraged by this today. As Peter leans in and he says, I get it. It's a long wait. But look, God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. If you look back at how he did act before, you can trust he's going to keep acting in that way. And so there's this pattern through the Old Testament that God rescues the righteous and then he punishes the wicked. And we can trust that if he worked that way then, he's going to keep working that way now. And I just want to point out that the order of those events is never crisscrossed. So we believe that when God will rapture his church, it's going to happen exactly in that same pattern, that God will rescue the righteous, and then God will punish the wicked. And in between now and then is the wait. 
God will make all things right. It may not be in your lifetime. And that's tough. That deliverance is coming, but it may not be in your lifetime. Sometimes God does not work in such abbreviated units. But his plan will be laid out. His plan will be completed. You know, aren't you thankful that God didn't uh, have the rapture occur during World War I, World War II? I mean, that was a very wicked time. There were terrible, terrible, evil things that were happening on this globe that we live on. But in his mercy, God held back his judgment so that you could take a breath so that you could live, so you could have the opportunity and the freedom to choose Christ, know Christ, so that more people could come to him. And in his mercy, God is holding back his judgment so that more could know. And yes, there is so much wickedness that's in this world, and there are times that it can be very discouraging, but with patience, we can endure, and we can be grateful for the mercy of God as he holds back his judgment so that more can come to the cross. When you become discouraged by wickedness in the world, God will give you patience to endure. You aren't forgotten. We aren't forgotten. God will not be untrue to himself. His pattern will not be interrupted. He will rescue the righteous, and he will punish the wicked. But until that day comes in small ways and in world-ending ways, you will need to endure while we wait with discernment, and with patience. Uh, about this time last year, my oldest son, Grayson, was starting cross-country in middle school, and it was a, a new sport to our family that we hadn't, we like didn't know the rules of what it was like, and we had a blast. It was really cool and just beautiful fall weather, and he did a great job with it. I was really proud of him. Uh, they did this thing at the end of the season, which I believe to be criminal. They invited all the parents to a last practice celebration. So it was like, hey, bring all the parents, come to our last practice, it's gonna be so much fun, cheer on your student. And somehow Mandy was unavailable that day. So on the last day they said, hey, this is our annual parent-student run and all the parents get to run with their student on this race. I may look like a runner, um, but I will remind you that appearances can be deceiving and uh, I'm a fake. So I, I started the jog with him, and uh, I talked to him for maybe the first 60 seconds or so, and then my side of the conversation got quiet, and he's just chatting along as we're going along, and inside my, my internal dialogue is, dear God, is there a hole in one of my lungs? And so we're moving, and then about halfway through this, this race, Grayson looks over to me and he goes, hey, can we speed up? I said, I said, you can speed up? Go right ahead. So, so, then, so he runs off. I will brag to say that I did finish first place in the parent division. However, however, I spent the entire race being passed by idiot 13-year-olds. Just because I did not have the endurance to finish the race well. My prayer for you tonight is that God would give everyone in this room an extra dose of discernment and an extra dose of patience so that you can endure while you wait. 
Discernment's tricky. I think for every season of life that you're in, there can be different challenges to the season that you're in of ways that you can get trapped in. I think for a lot of times, for younger people, it's the pride of life, it's the the lust of the earth, that it can make temptation so quick that those lies can sneak in the door and it can look a lot like truth. Ah, this isn't going to be that bad. I I have this under control. This will be fine. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It sounds nice. It sounds sweet. And that that can sneak in past our discernment gate And sin can entrap us. Evil can entrap us. False teachers can entrap us. You know, I think as you move into an older age, a lot of those things can turn into um, security issues. Uh, A view of the world, I, I would argue that if you spend more time watching the news than you spend reading God's word, you will become discouraged. That, that That is going to come against you. I have sometimes, I'll have older saints that'll come to me and say, oh, I just can't imagine I couldn't possibly raise kids during this time in history. And I'm like, I don't have a choice. (laughs) This is all I got. (laughs) But if you can reach a point in life where it causes you to back away from the world and allow that weight to rest on you of the wickedness of the world, that the enemy wants to come in. And if it can't entrap you, it just wants to exhaust you and wear you out so that you can't endure and finish the race well. I think God wants to give us discernment, and I think he wants to give us peace, because I want to see every single person in this room finish the race well. I want you to feel tonight that your lungs are full of air as you walk out of this room, that God would give you supernatural strength in your thinking and in your feeling to walk out of here with fresh air and good confidence that you are called, that you are with Christ, and you can stand strong, and you can wait well in whatever weight God has placed into your life in the season that you're in right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are good. We thank you for your mercy. It is only by your mercy that we can know you. Every single one of us woke up this morning with a a brand new opportunity. And when we call upon your name, when we claim on our hearts the mercy and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, we are given grace that washes us completely clean and allows us to walk this life confidently set as sons and daughters of Christ. I thank you for your grace tonight. I thank you for your goodness. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint every person in this room with an extra dose of discernment and an extra dose of patience. We want to be the type of people who endure. We want to be the type of people waiting for the bridegroom, fully equipped for the weight that is ahead of us. We love you. We need you. And we thank you for your presence in this room tonight. I pray that as we leave this room, as we drive home in our cars, as we lay down in our beds tonight, that the peace of your Holy Spirit would just rest with us. For the anxieties that someone is facing, for the deceptions that may be pushing against someone in this room, for temptations that need to be walked away from, I pray, Lord, that you would minister to us. Allow us to be so closely knit with your son that we cannot be separated. We love you and we thank you for all the good things you have for your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we see you in person. Join us Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. right here at Discover Church. Find us online at discoverchurch.org.